0: Welcome to What the If, the show that messes around with the building blocks of the world. That's a little tease about our subject. Mm -hmm. This week coming up, which we'll get to in one second. But first, let me introduce uh, our sole, my, my sole co-host this week. Uh, our our host, uh, Gabby Panicia, is on assignment this week. Mm-hmm. So whatever that is, we will find out next week. I'm sure it will be exciting. Um, but uh, on hand, Matthew Stanley,
1: how are you? Um. I continue to exist. Um, <laughs> there have been um, uh, zero Velociraptor attacks in the past week. Um, and that has to count as a victory, right? Yeah. That's, uh,
0: yeah.
1: Not even a fraction of a Velociraptor attack. Not even a fraction. Yeah. Just um, That was yeah. a rough week when we had 37% of a Velociraptor <laughs> attack. Uh, it's hard to know <laughs> how to deal with that exactly.
0: Yeah, was, <laughs> I'd love to pursue that as a thirty. I don't know what that thirty-seven percent of what. Yeah, I don't know either. But
1: uh, I'm I'm sure the next Jurassic Park trilogy will figure it out.
0: So. Yeah, <laughs> Jurassic Park five and a half.
1: Jurassic Wolf. Park fractions.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, that actually that would be good. <laughs> um how uh let's see we are on uh, patreon that's what i was going to say so uh, um this show brought to you by you, know, you know, th- those of you who watch pbs the public broadcasting in the us um i i assume they're still saying this at the beginning of each show brought to you by listeners like you um and uh this show is also brought to you by listeners like you it may actually be brought to you by you If you're already a member, but if you're not, if you go to patreon.com slash whattheif, it's a membership program we have, and you get all kinds of cool stuff um, for joining. Um, So check it out. Um, This week, Matt, uh, the if uh, came to me. By the way, you can send in your ideas also, whattheif.com. Just go there and... Shoot us a note if you have an idea for an if. But sometimes an if strikes you with such ferocity, like a thunderbolt. Or like of... you
1: stepped on it barefoot in the middle of the night. Oh,
0: perfect. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, that It just seems I, I must know. You know, a question comes to mind, and, and I must know the answer. And, and uh, I'm excited because you're the one—you can help me with this this question— Um, And that is What the if Adams were the size of Legos What? the building blocks of nature the size of little little building bricks legos mm-hmm. um there may be someone in the audience who doesn't know what legos are or do, do we know I, I have a feeling legos are called legos in whatever country
1: you're in but they mean um, i be. would imagine so yeah. yeah but i don't know for instance like If if Lego is a hard word to say in Mandarin, right? It could be. Um, So I don't know if they rename it for for other phonemes.
0: Right, right, right. So what is what is Lego?
1: Uh, So Lego is a proprietary type of uh, kids building block, typically formed from hard plastic, oh, uh, a centimeter long or so. Uh, And I guess their distinctive feature is these little. Uh, What would you call them? Um, They they have a a built-in mechanism for connecting firmly to each other. So you can... um, So unlike sort of generic blocks where you just stack them on top of each other, then they fall apart, Legos will stay together um, if you craft them correctly. Um, And they are wildly popular, I think. Um, I mean, they were somewhat exotic when I was a kid. That is, they were expensive and kind of hard to come by. Um, These days, though... They have, you know, marketing deals with Marvel and Star Wars and everybody, so you can get a, a Lego set for whatever theme you may like. But then, of course, the fun part is taking it apart again um, and using those bricks to build something new. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And they snap together because they have little uh, the the ingenious device of the little, little tabs on top that fit mm-hmm. into the, the bottom of each brick, which has a... a... Is open so that they can snap into the open. But you know Legos. Everyone knows Legos. Everyone knows Legos. Beloved. (laughs) Beloved. Um, And uh, the fun thing about Legos is, I got to say, I feel like Legos sold out at some point. And uh, as much as I am, I love all the pop culture uh products that have come out of the merging of lego and all i mean the the lego movies first of all the 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 movies that are actually the lego movie or whatever or has the song everything is awesome absolutely wonderful story great movie and i love all the star all the all the cartoons and even i don't know stop motion whatever all those things those movies made a lego really cool but the thing about legos was in the beginning they were one of the companies I felt that re- refused to make special pieces. In fact, this plays a role in the Lego movie. This uh, this the, the main character finds a piece mm-hmm. that does not seem to be the rudimentary standard blocks of that lego was originally mm-hmm. made of right there's a piece called yeah because that, that
1: used to be yeah. the they used to be the whole point right was that it right. could be anything so you just yeah. got the big pile of pieces and you can make whatever you wanted so when right. i was a kid if i wanted to make an x-wing fighter i had to figure out how to use all the pieces i had um, yeah. nowadays you can just go to walmart and buy the x-wing kit so yeah which is why kids today are you know whatever it is they are
0: Exactly, spoiled, lazy. Mm -hmm. All all the ills of society come from when Lego decided to allow instead of just the Mm -hmm. basic block. Right? They had maybe two sizes, or three. I think there were three sizes.
1: A small number. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: And then there was sort of a ground, sort of like a flat base Mm -hmm. piece that also you could snap onto. But um, there was there was a Toy, a series of toys called uh, that I remember called the Micronauts. I think they were Mattel. And uh, it was, they took a totally different tact, which probably was quite smart uh, and became a threat to Lego, which is why Lego doesn't do this. But the Micronauts, it was full of specialty pieces, m- much more like you might uh, find in yeah. a model kit. You know, mm-hmm. here's a helmet, here's a a pipe, you know, long, like a, like a, Plumbing pipe. Here's um, a laser gun. Yeah, I mean the piece is molded to really look like all these little pieces. So you mm-hmm. could using micronauts, for instance, build right out of the box a much more quote realistic looking or much more you could uh, build a yeah. spaceship that really looked like the kind of spaceships you would see in Star Wars. All mm-hmm. little pieces, okay. all a little different looking things. Legos, you couldn't, they had to be, it was all just blocky. It was like Minecraft. If you, if you know what Minecraft is, before mm-hmm. Minecraft, there were things in the real world. And, oh,
1: I mean, you actually had to pick up and touch, yeah.
0: Right, right. But um, everything's just made of yeah. these blocks, and it looks blocky. The mm-hmm. reason I go to the lengths to make that distinction is that um, if we are imagining, say, well, okay, now, what if atoms, the, quote, building blocks of nature... Um, we're, we're like Legos. One of the things I mean by that is also just the simplicity of those mm-hmm. uh, things, right?
1: Um, yeah, that's that's right. And the analogy is, is a good one, right? So uh-huh. um, because one of the interesting things about atoms is that like Legos, um, they come in a relatively small number of varieties, but you can arrange them in lots of interesting ways, right? So, yeah, yeah. you know, you and I... And badgers and donuts are essentially just fancy rearrangements of carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, and nitrogen. And then we've got some other, you know, like I said, special pieces kind of scattered in there. Um, But for the most part, we're all the same stuff. Um, And that's the great, you know, this is the, the original idea behind atoms as they were conceived of thousands of years ago. So the the, the word atom is, is Greek for um indivisible, the thing that cannot be cut. Because the, the thought experiment they were doing is all right, let's take this log and we cut it in half and then we cut that half and half and we keep cutting into smaller pieces um and getting tinier and tinier pieces of wood. And at some point will we get the ultimate piece of wood that cannot be cut any further. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, And the idea, uh, the idea as they thought about, you know, they didn't have particle accelerators they couldn't conduct experiments. And this this is a purely intellectual object. Um, But they were trying to solve problems like how does a wood, how does a piece of wood turn into ash? Right. Those are different things. But one thing turns into another. Um, Or how does a cheeseburger turn into me after I eat it? So one solution for (laughs) the problem is to say that we're all made of the same stuff once you get small enough and it just gets rearranged. And that's still, in a very broad sense, the modern conception of the atom.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I also, uh, I I, I may have told the story before, but I was once asked to, um, after we'd done our our documentary about Einstein, I was invited to a kindergarten class Mm. to and I could. It was kindergarten class in a in a science magnet school. So you know, a kid, uh, okay. a, a school that has a strong focus in science, and uh, so much so that this uh, kindergarten class had a white rabbit in their class, <clears throat> who was named Einstein. Oh, nice. Which, so this is a cool school. I would have loved to been in this class. And so anyway, I got to go and I went to teacher's class, and I could. I, they said you can teach them anything you want. Uh you know, talk about Einstein and mm-hmm. and then just what well, is up to you, whatever you want to teach him. So I thought um I had learned that uh is it true? Was it Richard Feynman who said if there was one sentence we could pass on to a future civilization that had the that mm-hmm. was the most the most information the most, in the shores yeah. mm-hmm. uh thing. It was everything is made of atoms. Yeah. That's right. So so I thought, okay, I'm gonna teach these kindergartners everything is made of atoms. And so what that meant was, I mean, I, I went for it and the kids the kids went with me. I said, Oh, somebody you have your rabbit Einstein. What if you cut the rabbit in half? <laughs> <laughs> and then you kept cutting them in half and kept cutting them half, kept cutting them half, kept cutting them Eventually you've come down to something called atoms, which everything's everything's made of. <clears throat> they love this. Then they really, what they loved most though was the uh, picture, the picture I showed of Einstein with his hair going crazy and his tongue out. They love that. Um, and when the, the principal came in at the end of this, uh, lesson and listened to the end of it and seemed to be enjoying it. So I was glad I was, I was getting through to the kids and they were learning the most important thing to pass on to another civilization. Should we all disappear? And, uh, when it was over, the teacher said, oh, well, what did you, children, what did you learn from uh, Mr. Phillip? And uh, one of the students stood up and said, uh, I learned uh, that everything is made of, and then he thought really hard, uh, Phillips. and everybody died laughing and no one had any clue what? no, Adam, oh, Adam's, Adam's and then he pointed to the kid next to him and he said this is my friend Adam and I I (laughs) I, I knew it was somebody yeah so everything's made of Adams now, by saying what if Adams were as big as Legos I don't uh, I can't
1: hear you I don't know if you can hear me back. Yeah.
0: It's back. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's a day of technical, technical. Legos. It seemed to be that way. Yeah. My mic popped out and I'm back. Um, so, I would say is I, I, I mentioned Legos. I, I don't, um, and now I'm going to dispense with Legos because I don't want them to confuse the analogy. Really, the, my question is what if simply atoms mm-hmm. um, were the size of Legos? And so not that they act like Legos or look like Legos or anything like that.
1: Right. Or just that's a convenient scale. That's right.
0: right. Convenient scale. Um,
1: and so yeah. I'm
0: yeah. what suddenly, boom, atoms are the size of Legos.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think there's one question we just have to answer about this thought experiment here to tweak, make it clear. And I'm actually I'm asking because I'm not sure which would be more helpful for the experiment. Atoms are the size of Legos, or electrons are the size of Legos.
1: Let's do atoms because there's okay. more interesting things that we can we can do there. All right. Um, but you, you so you, that actually helps us flag one of the interesting things we would immediately notice, right. which is that atoms are com, are themselves composite things. Right. 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 So right. so like the nowadays we talk about subatomic particles, meaning electrons and protons and neutrons, the things that make up atoms, right. but the uh, if you think about what I just said about the etymology of the word, the phrase subatomic particle is actually an oxymoron, right? Because atom means the thing you can't have a smaller thing of the thing you can't <laughs> chop up. <laughs> right. So it's actually quite, <laughs> That's quite bizarre. Funny, yeah. um, so everybody had sort of visualized atoms, <clears throat> excuse me. Everybody had visualized atoms as these single little hard corpuscles, like, you know, BBs or something like that. Right. Um, and then by the late 19th century, uh, it had become clear that there were parts to atoms. So electrons you could take out of an atom and do interesting things with. Um, protons you could take out of an atom and do interesting things with. The neutron isn't discovered until a fair bit later. Um, but by 1900 or so, it becomes clear that um, atoms are composite, and you can. And then the question becomes: Well, how are those things arranged? And everybody assumed that uh, protons and electrons were packed in together. So the overall atom would still be one big corpuscle. Um, and this is what was called the plum pudding model because it was British people who were thinking about it. So you had this sort of um, a soup of electrons in which the, uh, the protons were embedded um, the way raisins are in plum pudding. I don't know what the American analogy of that is what food do we have I was gonna say, stuff kind I was, of scattered through like that well
0: pudding we have pudding
1: yeah it's not quite the same so though not,
0: it, yeah it's like we don't yeah. we don't that's why it had to be a british thing
1: yeah have to think about it yeah um so one of the things they um uh, the, a lot of this work was being done in cambridge england um uh-huh. in the first decade or so of the of the 20th century uh, there's this place called the cavendish laboratory um which you can go and visit if you find yourself in England. It's a cool visit. You can see some of the original equipment and things. Um, And one of the things they had gotten good at were making beams of electrons and protons and shooting them at things. Uh, Because, you know, that's what you do. If you have a beam, you shoot at stuff. Exactly. And Um, if you've got pudding, you want to throw it. (laughs) You want to throw things at it. (laughs) Um, And that is pretty much it. And this, I should say, this gives rise to really important pieces of technology like the X-ray machine and the cathode ray tube. These are all variations on the experiment of of shooting beams at things. So um, one of the things they're doing is shooting beams at atoms and seeing how the beams get deflected. Um, And by that, they sort of imagine they're probing the the smaller structure of the atom. And there's this young uh, scientist there, a a Kiwi, a New Zealander named Ernest Rutherford, um, who's new to the Cavendish. And he talks to J.J. Thompson, who's the guy in charge. Um, And Rutherford says, I want to do some scattering experiments with these beams and and see what I can learn. Um, And Rutherford and, and then Thompson says, all right, why don't you check and see if any of these beams get scattered a lot? Because most of the beams will get scattered just a few degrees, which is what you would expect. Because they they kind of, the beams go through the plum pudding and get deflected slightly.
0: Oh, actually, Um, just just to clarify, I think they weren't, if they were actually shooting at pudding, that sounds awesome. But I think, is it Mm -hmm. that the targets were generally sheets of some material
1: very that's right usually sheets. sheets of metal um, right. and in particular gold is what they used because gold is very dense um, so the odds of hitting um, an atom were high which is why they use these right. um, so thompson says well why don't you check to see if any of these beams get deflected a lot like backwards um, uh-huh. and he expected the answer would be no um so rutherford checks and he's um he's in spe- specifically he's shooting um alpha particles which nowadays we would say are helium um mm-hmm. atoms uh so fairly large particles by by atomic standards um and he finds that they do indeed go get scattered a little bit as expected but also every now and then they would get shot back completely towards the source that is they would bounce off totally Wow. And this didn't make any sense to him because, uh, as, as he described it, I he said it was like firing a uh, 12-inch naval cannon at a piece of tissue paper and having the shell come back towards you.
0: And I'm just curious, is, is it that well, <laughs> – he had some sort of, like, a ring of detectors that went around the entire room?
1: Um, yeah, so detectors uh, at the time were uh, were called scintillation devices, which is a great word, yeah. scintillation, just to say for no particular reason. Yeah. Um, and this is a material that would uh, would flash. Um, uh, it would give off a little flash of light when a particle would hit it. So if you were doing the experiment, you would sit in a dark room and count the flashes. That was how you
0: oh, so Somebody some had to manually was anyone afraid yeah. that the thing that was coming back was dangerous?
1: Um, not really. This no. is before radiation was generally considered to be a dangerous thing, um, and uh, and at the time the beams were so weak that these were not right. a big problem. Right. Um, so, uh, so Rutherford quickly realizes that something is up, um, and the best explanation for this is that the that he comes up with. Is that the mass of the atom is not sort of distributed through a big sphere like a pudding, but rather almost all of it is concentrated in a tiny point. Okay, and specifically the positive charge of the atom um, is concentrated in a very very small point, um, and then the and then the negative charge, the electrons, is spread out more widely. So. This then explains why the experiments go the way they do, which is that most of the time, the particles you shoot at the foil just go straight through or are very slightly deflected, because most of the atom is empty, it turns out. But every now and then, that uh, the thing you're shooting happens to hit that concentrated point, and then it bounces off. Okay? So he calls that concentrated point the nucleus. Um, in analogy with Uh cells. Uh Uh Um, And this is, so this gives rise to the model of the atom that we have today, where the protons and later neutrons are concentrated in this tiny spot in the center. And then the electrons are kind of in a cloud around it from Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. So if our, the reason this was hard to figure out is because atoms are so tiny. Um, So atoms as a whole are something like, um, let's see here. Uh, they vary slightly in size, but about a tenth of a billionth of a meter <laughs> is, is the size of an atom. Right. Yeah. Um, and then a nucleus is about one hundred thousandths of that size. Wow. All right. So if you're into scientific notation, um, a, an atom is about um, ten to the minus tenth meters across. And a nucleus is about 10 to the minus 15th. Okay. So these are really small numbers. Right. Right. So 10 to the minus 15th right. would mean if,
0: for instance, you were to line up nuclei, nuclei on a meter stick, you mm-hmm. could get a one followed by 15 zeros. That's how many.
1: Yeah, that's right. So that's... Uh, a million billion atoms or, or a million nuclei, you said right. a million billion nuclei, um, could line up on one meter stick, yeah, right? which is such a gigantically huge number that you can't, right?
0: Now, really uh, can
1: see a um, <laughs> a Lego brick.
0: Mm-hmm. I look over these, what is the stand They're about, I think they're about in um, Lego brick dimensions, uh. I feel like they're okay. So, um, Lego brick is about what's this here? Um, 30. Well, there's the page I found with some insanely complicated thing. Here we go. Here we go. Brick in Brickipedia. Oh, yes, of course, there's natural. The yeah. It's beautiful. And on the Brickipedia. Wikipedia.fandom.com, the webpage, the background mm-hmm. is is the dots that sort of make up the surface of the Lego brick. um So uh, the length and width of a one by one Lego brick, so the smallest ones, right, are eight millimeters. So it's
1: about, um, and, and the height That's is the apart. smallest. Okay, that seems about right. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're like the size of the tip of your finger, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, if the atom is now that big, mm-hmm. I can see it.
1: So this becomes one of the most bizarre mm-hmm. things. All immediately, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. so there's a lot in? of there's a lot of weirdness that comes along with this right. right away. Right. So when we say the size of an atom versus the size of the nucleus, when we say the whole atom, what we mean is size of the electron cloud surrounding the nucleus right um, because that's the extent of the atom that's where the atom ends Um, and that's also what you feel when you poke an atom you're interacting with the electron cloud there so if our atom is now the size um, of a lego brick then it's the electron cloud that that's that is that big that's the size and then the nucleus is again one one hundredth one one hundred thousandth the size of the whole brick um let's see here so if the brick is eight millimeters across that's um uh 10 to the minus second if we want it to 10 to the minus seventh. um it's about a tenth of a micron the nucleus would do about a tenth of a micron across and one of your hairs is about 50 micron microns across so the nucleus is now the nucleus of the lego atom is about one one-hundredth the width of a human hair.
0: Did
1: you follow all that? Yeah, yeah. That was a lot of math, (laughs) sorry. So,
0: So not
1: seeable, right, Right. essentially. That's far too small to see. And so, if I'm blowing that up, yeah. If you're blowing that up, um, so in terms of seeing, this actually gets to be kind of a complicated thing because you see an atom when, a photon, a bit of light, hits an electron and bounces off. Um, uh, And sort of kind of normally, photons and um, atoms are roughly the same size. So it's pretty easy to bounce a photon off of an atom, which is why you can see most things, because photons bounce off easily. But now, um, our, our photons are much smaller than the electron cloud, So most photons are just gonna zip right through our Lego atom without hitting an electron. So it's never gonna bounce off and we're not gonna see it. Although
0: I think it's safe to say, I think we're kind of basically scaling up the atomic world and therefore the photon also gets scaled up. Um, So, which is kind of hilarious. I was sort of, I was just checking out a little further the the, the the leg I was looking into. Basically, we can imagine essentially, essentially a one centimeter. If, if the atlas, we can imagine the atom was a centimeter in mm-hmm. width and uh, in, in uh, dimension, one centimeter. Uh, and I think those uh, those Americans or the, those imperial uh, units of folks of us, we can understand that a centimeter. We can stick with that and help every, feed everyone at the same time. Um, how big would the photon be, or is the fo- does photon have any, uh, I'm not sure, does the photon have any size?
1: Um, exactly what it means to, to talk about the size of photon is a little confusing. Right. Um, but uh, it would vary, it, the, the size, if we talk about size of photons, right. they vary with color as well. Uh-huh. So bluish see. photons are going to be much smaller and more concentrated than red photons. Uh-huh. Um so uh, so you'll get these weird rainbow effects um, as the light scatters off of the, the atoms. Um, uh, so that would be pretty cool. I think it would be um, pretty I was
0: going to say yeah. that's sounds pretty awesome. Mm-hmm.
1: I would say one of the things you'd be able to watch, which would be pretty neat, um, and again, in analogy to Legos, is you'd be able to watch atoms bond with each other. right? That's essentially what atoms spend their time doing is they bond with each other and make molecules and then more complicated structures and so on. Um, So again, you are just a really complicated arrangement of atoms bonded together. Um, And the basic uh, way by which atoms bond together is they share electrons with each other or steal electrons from each other. Um, uh, And There are different patterns of electrons that different atoms have, and that's why certain things interact with each other and certain things don't. So carbon, for instance, has electrons for anybody who wants it. Um, So that's why carbon bonds with lots of stuff. And that's why it's good to make documentary filmmakers out of, because you can make lots of cool structures. Um, As opposed to, say, neon, um, a noble gas, is holding on to all of its electrons. Um, So it doesn't want to bond with anybody. Mm -hmm. You have to work really hard to to get something like neon to bond with anything else. It's really selfish about its electrons. So if atoms are the size of uh, Lego bricks, then in the same way that you, when you glance at a Lego brick and you say, all right, this one has two things by four things right. so I need to find another thing that has two things by four things so I can match it up you could do that just by looking at the atoms yeah. Right. so you can say okay I can see this one has two extra electrons to donate and this one over here is missing two electrons so I'm going to put those two together and I know they'll fit together really well Right. so you could actually assemble your atoms like Lego pieces right. if they're that big and yet
0: they um, the forces involved in them still exist and could
1: i hold what would happen if i tried to hold an atom like I well this is this is a a good question and and like like many things with atoms our intuition doesn't quite right work properly so when we say um touch an atom, um, like I'm putting my hand on my desk right now. Um, The atoms in my hand are actually not touching the atoms in the desk, but rather the electrons in the atoms in my hand um, generate a force field, an an electrostatic field. And then the atoms in my desk also generate an electrostatic field. Um, And since Uh, Like charges repel, as you may remember from seventh grade science class, uh, the electrons in the atoms in the desk don't like being near the electrons and the atoms in my hand. So what I feel when I push the desk is actually those um, electrical forces pushing back on each other. Right. Right. The atoms never actually touch each other. So if the atoms are big enough to see and you go to, Touch it, you would not touch it. It would float right. above your hand, suspended by those electrical forces. It'd be as, as um, if
0: your hand were a, a bit, uh, as if your hand were a magnet and the atom were, were an
1: opposing.
0: No yeah, no
1: precisely that. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, so if you wanted to pick up an atom and move it to another spot, that would actually be kind of a challenging thing to yeah. do yeah. because you yeah. can't pick it up in the macroscopic sense. Right. Um, you have to navigate your electrical fields to get it to float yeah. in the <laughs> particular direction you want it to. Right? Yeah. Um, and that would be a good incentive to figure out the bonding problem right away too. So you could make an object that could then pick up your atom um, and you wouldn't have to worry about that anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, And if
0: you, I mean, it really would, it would be an amazing thing. Um, And and to make a giant leap forward in this uh, question, we, I am guessing, we would look like, like the, the fun thing about Lego things that are made of Legos. So let's say the the millennium Falcon, no, no, forget that. Let me go to something organic. You can see, you know, if, uh, if you go to, if you go online and you look at incredible Lego sculptures that have been made, or if you, maybe you have a Lego store, like New York has a gigantic mm-hmm. Lego <laughs> store where you can go see Lego sculptures like 10, 20 feet high um, Disney World. Anyway, you can see these different things, and one thing that's cool is like the dinosaurs. They build it. They build a Brontosaurus out of Legos, and uh, you can totally see that it's made of bricks. You know, to, right. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the fun of it, right? Yeah. Um, and, and again, just like Minecraft, if you're, if you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think we would look like that,
1: right? Uh, that's right. Everything would look like that. Yeah. You could, you could see the rough edges on everybody's atoms. Um, Yeah. Um, Yeah. And you could, again, you could, would there's, there's all these properties we interact with on our level of reality um, that are determined by atomic properties, but that's not obvious to us. Right? So for instance, whether um, a surface is smooth or rough, that comes down to whether the atoms are neatly arranged or not yeah. so metal is smooth because the atoms line up really nicely they form these really nice smooth crystals so you'd be able to see all of those silicon atoms lined up nicely and you say okay that's going to be a smooth surface yeah. um, but then things then organic things like tables um might be or a piece of wood might be rough um, because the molecules are all over the place. So you would see them sticking up in these jaggy kind of ways. Yeah. Um, and you would know exactly why it felt rough to the touch, because those atoms are, are in the way.
0: And actually, we'd be able to, I mean, I think that um, because we, we basically increased the scale of these things so enormously, you would find pieces of, you could see, am I correct, pieces of metal that, we thought at our current scale were smooth, turned out not to be smooth at all.
1: That's right. And this is actually an enormous, just running with the example of metal, this is an enormously important thing in metallurgy generally, like Uh steel, for instance. Uh Um, Steel is iron that has carbon atoms kind of stuck in it. That's strategic places, um, because if you just take giant sheets of iron, you will get these weaknesses hidden within it. That's invisible to our eye because they're very small. But if you could see individual atoms, if they're on the scale of Lego bricks, you could instantly see kind of the fault line down the middle of the iron and say that piece of iron is going to break. And I know where it's going to break. So essentially what, when we make steel, what we do is we know that there are these hidden fault lines inside the iron and the bigger they are, the more dangerous they are. So we stick the carbon inside the iron and the individual atoms of carbon break up those long fault lines. So when the iron starts to break, it gets to the, it's exactly like a a fault line. Um, the, The break kind of runs down the iron, but then it hits the carbon atom and stops. And it doesn't break any further. So if we could, if they were big, you could see that process, right? In fact, you could even pick where to put your carbon to make your steel, which would be pretty cool. Right? Wow. So I need an atom here, and I need an atom here. And now this piece of steel will never break. And I
0: would think as a, as a uh, if you happen to be a double black belt in karate, as, mm-hmm. you, as you are, yeah. it'd be helpful to be able to see where if you hit it.
1: You could break it. Yeah, where the board is gonna break. I yeah. should say there there is some art to that, picking <laughs> the right board to break.
0: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um and um would we see uh, I'm curious what the uh what is the the electrons flying around we said are mm-hmm. they actually are we believe they're really more like a cloud, as you just you said, right? It's right. So in mm-hmm. fact When we looked at, um, let's say we're looking at a um, a horse, and uh, the horse would look as if it was made of Legos, Mm -hmm. standing there in the pen, and uh, and you see all the kind of these instead of but instead of cubical shapes, they would I'm guessing be more like
1: spheres, Uh, spherical, yeah, right,
0: (laughs) and yet this electron cloud would that be it would essentially look like the whole horse is a bit fuzzy
1: well so this gets this gets weird um, because yeah. we have to shade into quantum mechanics here right. yeah so oh, yeah. we so if you think of the stereotypical cartoon of the atom um, in which you draw the nucleus and then you draw the electrons zooming around it in circles that's not right. Okay, we know that's not correct. <laughs> it's, right. it's just a convenient way of of, of drawing it out there. Right. Um, that in fact quantum mechanics means the means the electrons exist in this these cloudy spaces around the nucleus. Um, and when we say this is the electron orbital, what we mean is that the electron is more likely to be found there than other spots. So it's cloudy in the sense that. Um, when you look for it, you're not sure where it's going to be, but if you poke the atom, that is, you know, you send a photon in, um, the electron will be in one spot at the moment you look for it. And then when you stop looking for it, it's back to the cloud. Um, and I should say it's the overall it's going to be spherical, but the, the actual electron clouds themselves, the shapes are quite complicated. Okay. And this is one of the things you do in advanced chemistry to so learn the, the shapes of right. these. Right.
0: Um,
1: and then in quantum mechanics too, you calculate why they are that, that shape as well. Um, so I think there's a sense in which everything would be, lo- the horse would be looking cloudy because you're not quite sure where the electrons are. And then when you shine the flashlight on it, um, the electrons are in very precise places at that moment you're shining the light on right, it. Right. So that bit of the, that bit of the horse is suddenly looks very well-defined. Um, and then you take the flashlight off and it's back to being cloudy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird, it's <laughs> totally weird, but the, um, the size of the nucleus is so much bigger than, well, than an electron, although not, I, was, I wasn't sure how it compared, how does it compare it to the size of the electron cloud?
1: So, oh, so the, this is an important distinction here, yeah. is um, protons and neutrons are very large compared to electrons. Right. Um, right. Like thousands of times. Right. Um, uh, but then, so electrons are super tiny, but the electron cloud, right. kind of the space in which the electron can be found, is vastly larger than the protons and neutrons themselves. Right. right. Um, and that's actually, uh, as programmers say, that's a, a feature, not a bug of quantum mechanics, which is the smaller an object is, the larger a space it can occupy in uh-huh, this perverse uh-huh. sort of way. Uh-huh. So the bigger you are, the, the reason the nucleus has a well-defined location is because protons and neutrons are quite large, and the reason you have a well-defined location is because you are even larger than the protons and neutrons. Right. So right. sometimes people ask, "Why don't we see quantum mechanical effects every day?" Then it's just because you're too big. You you ruin the effect.
0: Yeah. So if yeah. you could
1: stop doing that, that would Please. be great.
0: Yeah. Really, we're trying to do a magic show here.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, <laughs> now the the empty space inside an mm-hmm. mm-hmm. atom is is also vast, right? I, I've heard, I think it's a-
1: compared, compared to the electron, yeah. Compared to the,
0: oh, compared to the electron, and, but even compared to the whole atom or no? Like
1: what I was wondering is, is do I yeah, see right. the Yeah, that's right, so horse, it,
0: um,
1: yes, you probably would. Yeah. Um, uh, um, yeah, so it's, um, well, I guess this, this partly depends on whether we're scaling up photons the same way we're scaling up our atoms. Um, if we scale up our photons the same way, then transparency and opacity will work the same way. Oh, because, right. the, because, the question, because the question is, um, can the photon interact with the atom? Right. And that's determined by their relative sizes. So if they're both 100,000 times bigger, then they'll interact in the same kind of way. So the horse will not be transparent. Right. Um, but if we're leaving photons small and atoms big, then yes, the atoms are almost all completely invisible. Um, and th- they'll be easier to interact with um than to be seen, actually. So that would be kind of interesting, the horse okay. that you could feel but not see. Um, that would be a great... Uh, th- that's a great new Olympic event, actually. I'm going to watch the, the Summer Olympics <laughs> yeah, if they have invisible horse. <laughs> invisible horse. Yeah. 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 Um... And you know, it's a petting zoo, yeah, oh, a, that would be interesting too. Quite yeah. Although goats are already kind of scary, I don't want invisible <laughs> goats following me around at the petting zoo. <laughs> stay away from the quantum petting zoo. Um, yeah. uh,
0: now, here's here's a bigger question: um, If we were made of Phillips or atoms, <laughs> atoms which are the size <laughs> of Legos, so like, um that would and yet if we were still of the size we are that would mean we are essentially made of like a ridiculously fewer
1: ridiculous right fewer,
0: which means that we'd essentially not be able to
1: you would not function it. no i mean you would as you say you would look like a minecraft character and i guess that would be kind of cool right um right. but the the molecules of which we are made that function in interesting ways things like proteins um uh, are really big, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, fantastically complicated oh. um, structures of dozens or hundreds of molecules. Um, that's to make one protein. Right. So you would be like one protein. You you wouldn't even be able to be a um, an amoeba or something like that. Right. right. Even I- even tiny tiny single celled creatures are made up of vast numbers of proteins. So unfortunately, you would be a really uninteresting documentary filmmaker um that may already be the case but yeah (laughs) i mean you couldn't you couldn't process food you couldn't walk anywhere um all of these even like the you know in some sense the the molecule that makes all life on earth possible is um chlorophyll all right um and that is huge I mean, I remember back in college, I, one of, actually one of my physics professors, his research was trying to actually figure out the detailed structure of the chlorophyll molecule. So he had, I don't know, in some sense, what we're talking about is a, um, a model of chlorophyll about, it's probably about the size of his chair, kind of a desk chair. Um, and it was made of little wooden balls and sticks representing wow. individual atoms. And as he figured stuff out, he would add it to the model. He would like, actually <laughs> sort of like glue the atom on. It's so like, okay, there's a piece of phosphorus here. Like, dink, And he would put it on. Um, and he had been doing this for years, if not decades. And it was not complete because oh, Clerval wow. is just that complicated a model um, that you cannot represent these things easily. So this is one of the things we're running up against with like really advanced quantum chemistry and biophysics that tries to figure out exactly how these molecules function is that they are supremely complicated. So trying to calculate, say, the behavior of something really simple, like just one protein, um, requires supercomputers. um, And we're kind of hitting this calculational limit. So, it would be really nice if they were big enough to see because then we wouldn't have to calculate it. We could just look at it and say, okay, now I see what it's doing. Yeah. Um, But we're not there yet. Uh, Yeah. Uh, I had an Mm -hmm. image
0: of like the throne in Game of Thrones Mm -hmm. that your teacher was building. Yeah. It's huge.
1: Yeah, it was like that, but less dangerous. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Lift your dragons. (laughs) dragons.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Lastly, as is my want, I often jump to how would this have affected our thinking? If we could see for somehow we were of some size mm-hmm. where this worked out, um, mm-hmm. where we could be organic creatures and have brains and eyes, but these these processes were all vis- easily visible to us, mm-hmm. how might that have?
1: Well, so it's, it takes a couple thousand years for the atomic hypothesis to be accepted in a, a rigorous kind of way, right? So the Greeks are thinking about this in wow. the third or fourth century BC, and folks in India are probably thinking about it a few centuries before that. Wow. And and the the idea of atomism as kind of a general concept for explaining the universe comes and goes kind of as an intellectual fashion over thousands of years, Um and then in the late 19th century, it it turns out to be really useful for explaining things like uh, how steam engines work. So it gets a real revival and becomes important in a way it hadn't been for the previous couple of thousand years. And then once it gets going, once we have sort of theories that use it, and then we can start doing things like building cathode ray tubes, it becomes a major part of science. But it takes a couple thousand years to persuade people, it's the real deal. If we could see these processes at work, then presumably we would have had it on day one, right? There's no doubt about it. It yeah. would be like saying, "Are we sure this tree is made of wood? Yeah, I can see it's made of wood. Right. There's no question about that, right? Yeah. yeah. So the atomic hypothesis takes off right away, um, which is pretty, co- which would be very handy. Um, the periodic table is obvious, right? The the, pro- the, ver- the varying properties of atoms is is intuitively clear. Right. Um, the mechanism for chemical bonding is all is all clear right away, um, and also we have quantum stuff happening in front of us right away. So essentially, we have twentieth century chemistry and physics um, before we have electricity. Right, we can just see all these things what? happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, So, I mean, that might mean we could do things like build transistors and integrated circuits with our bare hands instead of waiting for vapor deposition machines. So that might be kind of handy.
0: Yeah,
1: There's probably an obvious downside, too, which is that um, nuclear fission becomes really easy to do, (laughs) and that, that might have bad side effects. But people would know right away, don't do that. That's right. So when when your toddler runs up to you with a handful of uranium,
0: right? Put you that know down. There's
1: going to be trouble. Put <laughs> yeah. that down right now. Yeah. <laughs> Do That's... not smash that helium into that. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of like the really really cool
0: Lego kits. You know, you get up to a point where it's like, first of all, there's the one for little 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 kids called Duplo all oh, right right yeah. and then you get to bigger mm-hmm. ones and then you get to the ones that are like you know only 12 and up age 12 and up and i was like ah mm-hmm. we're getting to the good the good legos um well they, yeah it's fascinating the mind reels and of course i'm always you know, i'm just fascinated by the, imagining what religions what myths we would have had if you could see
1: all of this uh, well, should interesting. i <laughs> should say historically adam has almost always been associated with atheism Um, Because one of the things that atomism lets you do is explain why, where things come from. Um, You say, well, if I just imagine a bunch of atoms smashing together, eventually I'm going to get a badger. and that, it turns out that reasoning is actually kind of hard to run with, but, that's the, but the way people thought about it was everything could have come from divine action or from random atoms smashing into each other. So um, for a very long period of time, atomism is associated with atheism. Um, so for instance, um, Giordano Bruno, the sort of contemporary of, of Copernicus, says people often say he was um, burned at the stake for believing in Copernicus, but that's actually not right. He was burned at the stake for being an atomist. Oh, wow well. ah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I thought he, um,
0: he, he always comes mm-hmm. up in discussions
1: around SETI because I, I always thought he was burned at the stake for because he also- well so I should say interestingly these are all of a piece actually so once oh. you're an atomist it's a very short step to being a Copernican and then once you're a Copernican it's a very short step to believing that there's life elsewhere in the universe oh, right. and it wow. may not be obvious to, it may not be obvious to us how those jumps go right. um, but it was very obvious to the Inquisition um, so it was a very dangerous thing to to believe in atoms for a long time. Wow! <laughs> so therefore, next time you're
0: playing with Legos, understand
1: mm-hmm. this
0: is uh, this is uh,
1: there's a lot at stake. Revolution in that <laughs> revolution thing, right?
0: in that yeah. box. Yeah, fascinating. Mm-hmm. Wow! This has been an incredible journey, Matt. Um, amazing, amazing, and, and I do I always love how just this idea where we can ask silly little questions. Uh, you know, when thrown at you,
1: you come back with like incredible uh, I don't know, wisdom. Fascinating! fascinating. Yeah, it's like alpha particles, particles bouncing off. That's of right, gold foil. <laughs> it yeah. came
0: right back at us.
1: <laughs> it, you are scintillating, Matt. You see,
0: but um, and you, our listeners, if you also find this scintillating, as I'm sure you do, uh, let us know what you think. Um, go to whatif.com and uh, send us a note, or uh, I encourage you to support uh, young Matthew Stanley in his research um, and in our efforts to uh, teach science while having fun by doing this show. Go to patreon.com slash what the if, patreon.com slash what the if, and find out all the cool things you can have. You can have, you could be drinking out of a mug right now um, that uh, shows the what the if logo on it um, in two perspectives. Two, the, the visions of from two separate universes imprinted mm. there on the mug depending on which way you drink you could drink hot yeah. objects one way maybe in cold the other with the reverse who knows what happens um, if you're artistically inclined also any time, so just I would love for anyone out there who has any any or even ability. if you just if you if, if, the, if, if the moment strikes you is right, grab a pen or a pencil. Or a digital thing and uh, sketch some of the images that come to mind because uh, I'm right, that would be cool. There's this horse I was imagining with all with it, it looks like Legos, like, oh, so and you can see through it and things like that. Super, a lot of cool images come up every week. Um, so, uh, so do that. Um, so, thank you from Matt and thank you from from myself for listening and also uh, from Gabby, Gabby Panicia, who will be back next week, and Joshua Reinstein, our, our fearless staff uh, on what if. Um, Matt, there's a ritual that um, I, I'm going to guess Bruno uh, Giord- was it Giordano. Bruno, mm-hmm. I, know, I think he would have appreciated this um, because he knows what happens when you ask what the if it can be dangerous uh yeah that's right
1: it might not end well um what is this particularly well i mean the ritual is what you do when i should say you you may not appreciate this particular setup but if you have little kids (laughs) and they're playing with legos those legos will be scattered all over the house (laughs) um and they're small right they're not as small as atoms but they're small and they are pointy yeah so at some point you will be wandering through your apartment and your foot will come down on the edge of one of these atoms. And in the moment of excruciating pain, you'll wonder, you know, I wonder what it'd be like if this was a single atom instead of an entire Lego brick. Um, But really what you do is you just scream. What What the
0: (laughs) Shout out to the Lego Corporation and all its subsidiaries around the
1: globe. Please don't sue us. <laughs> Duplo can sue us. I'll bet their lawyers lawyers are a lot nicer than Legos. Duplo, the friendly Duplo. Uh,
0: I bow down to our Duplo overlords. Thank you all for listening. Patreon.com slash whattheif. Check it out, and we'll see you next week.